do I have to let you know why we're having this series? Oh, I tell you, you look at that stuff, you think, oh my word, how could you even think of doing that? Oh, last guy, you know what he was doing? There was a tomato hanging from the ceiling, and he was trying to get to it through the, the blades on the ceiling fan. Oh my gosh. Oh, hey, well, welcome this morning. I'm glad you're here. And we're going to talk about how to stop doing dumb things, okay? The kinds of things that we do that cause us all kinds of pain and other people pain around us. And uh, we're all guilty of this, okay? Every one of us. Uh, I uh, mentioned to you in my email blast this week and even last week when I was introducing the service that I feel like I'm the poster boy for doing dumb things, it seems like. And especially because I still have teenagers uh, and one of them, you know, is in junior high age is I get told all the time, right, that I do a lot of dumb stuff, okay? Find that out. Hey, uh, go ahead and grab you these message notes out of your program. They look like this. Uh, they'll have all the Bible verses we'll use on here today, as well as some opportunities for you to write down some notes and thoughts that come to you. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be looking there today. Um, by the way, if you want to, you know, every week you come in, you want to grab a Bible. They're on both sides of the doors when you come in. You can pull one and use it while you're here. If you don't own a Bible, uh, would you please just take one, just pull it off the rack and take this as our gift to you today. We'd like to give you one just so you can have a Bible yourself. Now, this message will be a little bit different, but as we get into the next few messages, uh, because Proverbs is really in sound bites, we'll be running all over Proverbs, so it'll be harder to follow along. Today will be a little bit easier as we look at uh, Proverbs chapter 1. So what I want to, I want to begin this morning with a little bit of mass confession. I think some of you just feel better when you come to church and have confession, so we're going to start our way uh, do that this morning. And I'm just going to ask if, I'm going to give a list of things that maybe we do that we would say, I did this dumb thing, and when I get to the end, we're just going to all confess together. I know some of you might be eager, don't do it till I get to the end, okay? So here's a list of categories. How many of you have ever messed up when it comes to your physical health or your spiritual health? If you've ever said something dumb and wished you had not said it, if you've ever hurt someone else with the way you dealt with your anger, if you've ever made a foolish relational choice or foolish romantic selection, if you've ever been less than insightful about your time management or goal setting or parenting or television viewing or internet searching, if you've ever made a decision that could be characterized by the word that we're using in this series, that one word, dumb, will you raise your hand, okay? So just look around the room, that's everybody, and we'll all be in the same place so we can all benefit from this series. Now, if you would just turn to the person next to you, just say this, say, welcome to the school for fools. Go ahead and say that, because that's where we're at today. Some of you are saying that with a little too much energy, okay? As you get to that, you know, not saying call your neighbor a fool, okay? Uh, folks, I just say this is every one of us, right? We all make dumb decisions, some of them dumber than others. I agree with that whole idea. But why do we do this? And, and so as we come to this, the question is, why do we keep doing dumb things? When we do them, we just keep going through a list, a litany. And some of us, we're actually guilty of doing the same thing over and over again. You know, and they call that insanity when you expect different results, but we're doing the same thing and we're getting into trouble and dumb thing. Well, the answer to the why do we keep doing th dumb things is we're just not that smart, okay? Just heads up, <laughs> we're just not that smart. Here's what we're not that smart at. We're not that smart at being able to discern between a good choice and a choice that's dumb without the benefit of hindsight. Hindsight is what shows us oftentimes whether our choice was a good one or whether it was a bad one. The deal is this. We all make decisions and our decisions make us. They make our life. We make millions of decisions, some of them big, some of them small, as we go through life and those decisions end up actually 
making us. Uh, some of those are be, you know, we get into a decision, we think, oh, this is not going to matter at all. We just kind of blow through a decision without thinking about it a lot. And then we find through hindsight that that was actually a big thing. And we actually have a huge price to pay for what we thought was a little thing. Some of us, we have decisions to make and they look so huge and they're before us and we're just always oh, consume every thought and every tear and every conversation. And then when it's over, we find out it wasn't that big a deal after all. It didn't seem to matter. But what happens is, over time, is our decisions end up making us. They make us. And so what we want to be able to do is we want to say, what about a decision makes a decision good, and what about it would make it not so good? What makes the difference? Well, the Bible would say the difference between our decisions, that some are good and some are not so good, the difference would be wisdom, the ability to be wise. Because each of the decisions we make has the potential to either make us or break us. And so, as I said, a million little decisions make up your life. Your life is determined by the decisions you make. Now, there's a man in the Bible. His name is King Solomon, and he was actually the third king in the nation of Israel. He was the son of King David. And he came into being a king at a very young age and a very volatile time in the nation of Israel. And as he was coming into, you know, being the king, God came to him and said to Solomon, Solomon, if you could have anything you want, what would it be? How would you like to have that question? If you have anything you want, what would it be? Now, some of you already know what Solomon said, so you're thinking, well, I'd ask for that. But others of us, if we think, if I could have anything I want, we might think, well, gosh, I'd like to have all the money that there is. If I had all the money there was, I'd never have a problem. Or, you know what, I'd just like to have a marriage that seemed to work in some way. And you know what, if I had that, then everything else would be okay. Or I just had kids that seemed to, you know, go with the flow and get along with the pattern and the system. And if I had that, then I'd, if I had this home, or if I lived in this place, or I had this job, and we look at those things and we think, if I had this, then everything would be okay. But here's what Solomon says. Solomon said, God, I want wisdom. And God was so impressed by this young man's answer that he says, not only will I give you wisdom, but I will give you everything else you could have asked for. And Solomon became known as the wisest man in history, wisest man in the kingdom of the day and in history. And he became known also as the wealthiest man in his day because of his answer, God, I want wisdom. And what we're going to look at over the next few weeks is we're going to look at the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is the, uh, God is, is Solomon's compilation of his wisdom sayings, what he gleaned over his lifetime as he was listening to God. So it's his compilation. So, you know, we're going to look at eight weeks in this. We're going to be, you know, digging into the, the, the um, Proverbs that he wrote as we go through this. And we're going to be able to see how we can be wise. Now, just a heads up, Solomon didn't write every Proverbs. He wrote 95% of the Proverbs, actually 30 and 31. We have a couple of other authors that are, those are attributed to. But Solomon primarily wrote the Proverbs, and he compiled them into this book that we now we call Proverbs after his name, after he you know, made it to be. So here's the deal. You can have, as we think about this, just begin, you can have all the wealth in the world but if you aren't wise in the way you use wealth, then what good did that do? You can have all the friends and relationships in the world, but if, and you know, deep, meaningful friends and relationships, but if you aren't wise in the way that you deal with those friends and relationships, you're likely to lose them. You can have a family, but if you don't treat your family in ways that are wise, uh, you can actually wreck that family. You can live a long life, and at the end of that long life, you can wish it was a lot shorter because you've made poor decisions along the way, and the end of your life turns out to be pretty miserable. 
So what we want to do is we want to look at how can we make better decisions. Now, I'm going to tell a story. I remember, you know, I think I've told you this before, maybe at one time, uh, but I remember it like it was yesterday, just like it was yesterday. How many of you ever got sent to the principal's office when you were in junior high or high school? My word, this service. Oh, look at you. <laughs> I'm pretty amazed, actually. <laughs> I was a frequent flyer, okay? <laughs> I made it to the principal's office a lot. Well, it's the last week of school. I you know, grew up in Oklahoma, and so last week of school, May, it's getting pretty warm outside, and uh, all the kids would hang out out front of our, you know, during lunch hour uh, in front of the, right in front of the school. And uh, me and two of my friends, we got an idea, right, that's, you know, towards the end of the school year that we would uh, go up on top. There was a ledge that went out over where the, you know, the, all the students hung out, and we would fill some buckets with water, and we'd dump it on them. Okay, great idea, right? Great idea. And so uh, we go get our five-gallon buckets. Each of us got one. We filled them up, and we came back to the ledge. What we didn't know is from the time that we decided this wonderful idea and we got our buckets filled and got back that the principal had actually come to the porch, and he was standing right below. And we went there, and we dumped our buckets full of water. And then we ran, and we hightailed it, and we hid in the library, okay? We think we've got to hide somewhere, so we hid in the library. Well, as you can imagine, because of who just got wet, the search was pretty intense. <laughs> and they found us, and they took us to the principal's office, and he set us down in the chairs that I remember sitting in so many times so well uh, before I was called into the office. And finally, he, it's my turn. He calls me into his office, uh, and he says, you know what? I'm going to give you two choices today. Here are your two choices. One, you can have SWATs. Uh, and two, uh, that you can miss all your, gra- you know, your graduation experiences. So I chose the SWATs. And so he gets out his specially made paddle. You ever get one of those specially made paddles by a principal? You know, this is back when it was okay to abuse kids in school, okay? It was legal to do that. <laughs> and so he had this specially made paddle, and, you know, he's getting ready to give me the SWATs that I knew were coming to me. But first thing he did is he looked, last thing he did before he gave me SWATs, he looked me right in the eyes and he said this. He says, Thompson? the world is not going to put up with your games. And then he gave me some swats with, I think, a lot more energy than I ever had received before uh, for what I'd done that day. And he was right. You know what? The world will not put up with our dumb choices, our mistakes that we make because we were simply not being wise. So what I want to do in this series is I want to bring us to the place where each one of us would be willing to admit we make dumb mistakes. We've already done that. And that we would gauge in a process of learning wisdom. Gauge in a process of learning how not to make dumb choices, but we would make choices that overall, generally, would lead us in a pathway that we would call a wise decision. So look at the verse right at the top of your notes. This is from kind of our theme verse for the series. Uh, Pastor John read it earlier. I'm going to ask you if you'd read it out loud with me. Okay, ready, go. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. On your notes, would you underline the wisest thing you can do? Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Now, notice also in that verse, it's referring to uh, wisdom as a female presence. And oftentimes, you're going to see that. Some lady down here laughed. I heard that laugh. So she knows that's true, actually. Uh, and so uh, a female presence, but here's kind of the way that they, the reason they think they uh, personified wisdom as a female is because they would teach these. These are actually the, the lessons that would be taught to the Hebrew boys 
uh, in their school system. And so they, you know, personified as a female just to draw their attention to it even more as they do that, as they wrote these proverbs. So that's just one of the ways that you can look at that. But he's saying this, wisdom is infinitely more important than anything else that we can pursue. Because he kind of kind of saying this, having fame, having fortune, having favorable circumstances in our lives is nowhere as important as having the wisdom or the ability to handle and grow and flourish in the middle of life circumstances, no matter what they are, no matter what they are. Why? Because very few of us ever get a moment when all of our circumstances are lining up perfectly. Very few of us ever get that moment. And once we get there, nobody keeps it there. Nobody keeps it there because we are humans and we're going to make choices that will take our circumstances that we may think are perfect at the moment and that will derail us in some way. Now, I put this uh, kind of picture on your notes. You might want to grab that and look at that a moment. It looks like kind of a barbell there. Uh, and so I'll give you an idea about when we're talking about this whole idea of knowledge and wisdom. If you look on the right side, it says that there's, and by the way, these are two kind of extremes. These are two polar extremes uh, that uh, we have in our culture today, pretty, pretty prevalent of ways that we can look at life and truth. The first one is that everything's based on knowledge or it's based on science. <laughs> it's based on what is true. So we have folks in our world that uh, are highly advanced of the science of how things work. They know there's certain things about the universe that are true, and these folks go through life believing that the knowledge that they've learned can be applied in every area of life, and they look at knowledge as the ultimate goal. On the left-hand side, what you see is we, so folks who say, no, it's all about morality. Uh, and so they pride themselves on their morality. They know what is right. They know what is wrong. Uh, they build their lives on principles that would be given to them by a higher power. Uh, and these folks that believe that everything is about doing what is right. So on the right side, everything is about doing what is true. On the left side, everything's about doing what is right. And what I want to give you is the way to approach life that's different. And that is, write the word wisdom across here. Wisdom is the bridge between the two. Wisdom is the bridge between the two. So it's knowing what is true and believing what is right and the wisdom is how to balance that in life. The wisdom is to be able to balance that in life. Now, see, because I can believe what's you know, right, morally right and good, and, uh, and I can believe that because we have morality that we should be involved in helping the poor. And yet I can go about it in a way that uh, other people would say, that's going to not help the poor. That's actually going to hurt the poor if you were to do that, because we have knowledge about that. We know the truth about the best way to help the poor. On the other hand, <clears throat> I can believe I know the best way to help the poor, and I, will try to, and I can try to do it in ways that are not ethical or ways that are not compassionate, ways that are not moral, and I can actually do more harm than good. Uh, we are in, we've been involved with uh, Uganda now for about eight, nine, nine years now. We've sent nine teams over, so probably 10 years we've been involved with Uganda. And one of the things we've learned about being involved with uh, our African friends and neighbors is that uh, oftentimes when we send Americans over there, their first reaction to going to Africa is they just need more money. They just need more money. If we were to give them more money, then this would solve everything. We just give money, and we give money, and we'd solve it. And what, we, what we've learned is that that's the worst thing that you can do in African culture. 
is to give them money. Instead, what you have to do is you have to come out, you have to help them in other ways, and then along the, along the pathway, use your, you know, your resources in order to help them to bridge to other places, but it, you can't start with this whole idea. So there are ways that we can come at life. We can want to do morally. We can want to do it with wisdom. I mean, with the truth as being the way to do it, but wisdom says, no, we're going to bridge the, the gap between the two, but it's not saying that I ever give up on my morals, okay? So some of you might be thinking, oh gosh, Ron, you're not saying that we compromise morals. No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is you apply it. Wisdom is applying morality with truth. You can't have one without the other. And so when we come to this place, then we can realize that this is the foundation, this whole idea of wisdom. This is the foundation uh, for this series. So what I want to do is I'm going to give you uh, some ideas today about the path to wisdom. Now, the reason I said the path to wisdom is that it's clear when you read the Bible and you talk to other people who are wise that wisdom is not opening a door and then I'm wise. You know, like door one, two, three, and if I happen to get lucky, open door number three, and it's, oh, you're wise now. But wisdom is a path. Wisdom's a journey. So, you know, and wisdom is gained step by step by step by step. And it's a lifelong journey. So even when I get to the end of my life, and I'm at the end of my life, do I still need wisdom? You betcha you do. You betcha you do as you make the decisions about how you're going to deal with maybe if you have wealth at the end of your life or you don't have wealth, how you're going to take care of yourself. And there's all kinds of places where you're going to need wisdom all the way through life. And wisdom is a journey. And so it's a step-by-step-by-step approach. But oftentimes we want to think that wisdom is, you know, like open the magic box and I'm going to be wise. But it's a process we go through life. So that's why I'm saying that wisdom is a path. So I'm going to give you three ideas this morning and just kind of lay the foundation. Uh, This is all introduction, by the way, for next week. This all introduction for next week as we really dig down into certain specific areas that he writes about in Proverbs. The first is this. If I'm going to walk the path of wisdom, I must understand wisdom. Excuse me. I must understand wisdom. Beginning with verse 1 of chapter 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose, notice that purpose, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. So, you know, first of all, we're going to teach wisdom, but we're also going to teach discipline. Now, one of the reasons that many of us struggle with making done choices is we're just not disciplined. You know, we we know what to do and we don't do it. So we aren't disciplined in that way to help them understand. So help them understand the insights of the wise. And so what we're going to do is we're going to listen to words of wisdom and we're going to dig into them and learn the insights of those who are wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined. Discipline's important, right? listened twice already, and successful lives to help them to do what is right. And in this case, right means true. So it'd be on the right-hand side of the graph we just looked at, the barbell. Help them to do what's true, and then help them to do what's just and fair. That's moral. So on the left side of what we looked at in the picture of the barbells, and it says this, these proverbs will give insight to the simple. When it words simple there, it doesn't mean those who are slow. It means those who are naive. You know, this is one of the reasons we make dumb choices, we're just naive about how things work. And so we're going to learn how to give insight to the simple. We're going to have knowledge and discernment. So the ability to tell one from another, that's discernment, one from another to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. So once again, you reach a level of wisdom. It doesn't mean that you're finished. 
then it means that you can go on and you can continue to learn wisdom with age. Let those with understanding receive. Would you circle that word receive on your notes just so we can kind of, you know, maybe come back to it and think about it. That word is talking about humility. If I'm going to learn from the Proverbs that we're going to look at in this series, if I'm going to learn from the wisdom that's written in these 31 chapters of Proverbs, I first have to come to a place where I'm humble and I just admit that, you know what, first of all, I don't know it all, but I'm also humble enough to say that God, and this may be stretched for some of you, God knows more than I do, and that I'm going to surrender myself and I'm going to receive from him. I'm going to receive what he has to say to me. So I'm just going to ask you, if you just open yourself up and the weeks were together, when you come in this room and as you think about it during the week and you apply it, that as you go through your life, you're humbly saying, God, I don't know if I agreed with what he said on Sunday, but God, would you show me if this is true? Would you show me how this works in life and that you're, hum- God, I will do this. I will submit myself to this. We're going to get to this at the end of our talk today, but that's how you receive wisdom. It's an act of humility. Receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Now I'm going to give you some ways to look at wisdom. Uh, this uh, first three ideas, they come from Tim Keller. Uh, he's a pastor in New York City, uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church, and he gives us ways that you can look at wisdom, and I think it's very beneficial for us today, so I just wanted to use this and give credit to him. Wisdom, first, is knowing how things really work. It's knowing how things really work. So I want to understand the truth about what makes something tick. So if I can go out to my car today, and I put my key in the ignition, and I turn the key, something happens, and the next thing I know, my engine is running, hopefully. And I get to that place, my engine is running. So if I'm wise, and I'm going to be a mechanic, I need to know what happens. What's the process now that the car, everything goes through, the ignition, the wiring, all the way to the engine that makes it jump over and start. So that's kind of what I'm talking about, about life. I need to dig deeply into things so I know what makes something work in a certain way. But secondly, I need to know how things really are. I need to know how things really are. And kind of the idea here is uh, just like in the, uh, you guys like movies? You guys like, um, everybody does like movies, okay? And so uh, the new Sherlock Holmes movies, uh, and uh, I just love watching those, and so what happens is you got Sherlock Holmes, you got a crime scene, you got Watson, you got other people around trying to figure it out, Sherlock Holmes walks into the room, and he sees things that nobody else sees, and the movie makes them glow so that everybody else can see what Sherlock just saw. And he's able to figure out by seeing these things how things really are. And he sees sees things that nobody else sees at that moment. So let's go back to my car. I get in my car and I turn the ignition on and it doesn't start. It doesn't start. So there's a way I got to figure out what's going on here. And so, you know, if I'm a mechanic, I'm going to be able to go through a process of determining what it is that's actually wrong. What it, what's actually wrong right now that's keeping my car from starting? And that takes us to the third idea, and it's this. I need to know what to do about it. I need to know what to do about it. So I know how things work. I need to know how things are, and I need to know what to do about it. So when I take my car to the shop and I say, hey, my car wouldn't start today. When I turn the ignition, nothing happened. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I, I don't want the mechanic to say, well, you know what? I'm not really sure how things are, but why don't we just you know, give you a whole new engine? 
and that'll solve it. Or you know what? You just need a new car. So just throw this one away and you need a car. And I want him to be able to tell me what I can do about my problem that'll fix it. And that's wisdom, folks. Wisdom is knowing how things work. Wisdom is knowing how things are so I can be able to assess it, so I can know how things are right now, and then knowing what to do about it and what steps I can take to do about the problem that I actually have. Okay, and then on the back side of your notes, it takes this whole idea. Wisdom is the knowledge and competence to make great decisions. Wisdom is the knowledge and competence to make great decisions. The knowledge or the understanding or the competence or the ability to make great decisions because great decisions lead to a great life. It's true. Great decisions lead to a great life. And so you can change your life if you will apply God's wisdom. The wise have a moral compass and the wise have knowledge, both. And they apply it to life's circumstances and situations. We have to understand that's what wisdom is. Second is this. I have to value it. I have to value or treasure wisdom. I have to look at it as we said earlier, the wisest thing I can get, the most important thing in life. I have to value wisdom. So it's the key to having the kind of life that I think we would desire. You know, I don't like the consequences of dumb choices at all. And some of those choices, you know, you make them in a flash. And as I said earlier, you have dire consequences to pay earlier because of a poor choice uh, that you made maybe at a younger age in some way. So as I read these verses, I just want you to notice the wonderful benefits to those who gain wisdom. It's just, it's just beautiful. First, it says this. I'm going to move over to chapter 3, verse 13, by the way, if you have your Bible. Joyful, first, joyful. So the first thing it says is, I'm going to have joy. Joyful is the per. And let me ask this. Does anybody not want Joy. <laughs> I mean, that's what we spend a lot of our energy in life trying to get. And then when we end up making bad choices, we lose a lot of the joy in life. So here's what he's saying. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver. More profitable than silver. We're going to talk about some, you know, very valuable, valuable things here. He's saying it's more profitable than silver. Her wages. So actually, you see here, there's a benefit that comes to you from getting wisdom. You actually get paid wages. Uh, her wages are better than gold, and I'd like to be paid in gold. How about you? But better than actual gold when you do that. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Uh, and when you, you know, study you know, how much gold and silver and rubies are worth per you know, gram or per ounce, you're going to find out that r rubies is really expensive. Ruby is really expensive. Nothing you desire can compare with her. So it just goes on to say, hey, by the way, I've just listed all these things that you might want. Well, guess what? Nothing you desire can actually compare with the wisdom you can get. She offers you long life, and we are passionate, and we have this deep desires human beings to extend our life out as long as possible. And so, you know, we're looking at right now and they're saying, you know, life expectancy is about 84 years and going up. And we're going to have more and more people living to be over 100. And, and I have people that I know who are, you know, in their late 80s, early 90s are saying, I don't want to live to be 100. I don't want to go that far. And because, you know, many of them may have made poor choices along the way. And so they really don't want to end up at a place that would be, you know, without the benefits of living a wise life. So here are you young people, those of you who are in high school and college who are here today, you know, what we're talking about, you know, I can't speak, say strongly enough, please start now 
living a wise life. So you can have a long life and that she offers in her right hand. And then also you will have riches and you will have honor. So you will be lifted up. You know, we want to be, you know, we want to be respected and that we want to be someone, you know, that is wise and who makes wise decisions. You know, we want to be someone that someone else comes to for, you know, knowledge or help or information, but you'll be given riches and honor. She will guide you down delightful paths. Isn't that a great, just kind of, <laughs> it's like, that just sounds so awesome. Down a delightful path. You know, I just like the, the idea of that. All her ways are satisfying. Do you think anything else in life, if you really look at it, satisfying? So we have songs like, I can't get no satisfaction, right? Because that they're saying that the path I took was not satisfying. <clears throat> but wisdom is saying the path you take can be satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life. Now, in the Bible, when it talks about free, tree of life, it's talking about fullness and richness and fruitfulness and all the things that you would desire. Kind of a reference back to Psalm chapter 1 that says, Blessed are those who uh, adhere and live by God's word because they will become a tree of life and they will grow great fruit. And it says this, Happy are those who hold her tightly. That word ha- happy in many of your translations would be blessed. So blessed are those who hold her tightly. Now, look at that. Who wouldn't want that, right? Everyone wants it. But what I want to say is not everyone's willing to value it or treasure it enough to get it. And that takes us to the third idea today. I just want to lay the framework today for where we're going. First, I need to understand wisdom, then I need to value wisdom, and then I need to pursue wisdom. I have to pursue it. Proverbs 2, verse 2. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Uh, You know, I was just reading that this morning, and I was thinking about tune my ears, is that, you know, we live in this culture where we get so many messages through our ears and through our eyes, through ears and sight, and uh, and we just kind of get it. You know, you can't go anywhere today without something bombarding you through your ears or through your eyes where someone wants to give you a message. And what he's saying here is he's saying you have to, if you're, going to want, if you're going to get wisdom in your life, you have to specifically and on purpose change your listening patterns and your viewing patterns and so that you can listen to and view wisdom, ways of wisdom and how to you know, live in life. And then he says this, cry out. And I just think that it's getting, it's a, this is intensity here. Do you really want it? Cry out from the depths of your heart for insight and ask for understanding. We just finished our series on prayer. Ask boldly that God would give you understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. I guarantee you today that if you went home and you went to your bookshelf and you started looking at some old books that your grandpa had that he, you know, passed down to you and somehow they end up on your bookshelf and you're like looking at those, going, I wonder what is in these books. And you open up one of them and there's a treasure map in there and it shows your grandpa's house and it says underneath, this is where the gold is, that I know where you'll be this afternoon. You'll be at grandpa's house digging a hole in the backyard, whether you still own the house or not, because you are looking for grandpa's gold. And that's the picture that we have here, is that I want this afternoon for you to go home and start digging for wisdom, digging for it. And then over the next seven weeks, we're going to give you ways that you can dig for wisdom in various areas of life, and we would pursue it with everything we have. Wisdom doesn't come to us when we just kind of float through life. We have to do it on purpose. We have to give ourselves to the pursuit of knowing more. And it begins, I'm going to go all the way back to chapter 1, 
Verse 7. This is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. One thing you're going to notice as we go through Proverbs is that there are two ways to live. One is wise and one is foolish. And for our context, we're saying one is wise, one is dumb. And as we go through life, there's going to be, they're going to be juxtaposed next to each other. And we're going to get to make the choice because we're going to see the difference between the two. But what we're ending with, and this is really the key to this whole idea, is that in order to have wisdom, I have to come to a place where I say, I am going to fear God. I'm going to fear God. Now, the first thing I know when I say that is that some of us, uh, when we hear this thing about fearing God, it just kind of grates on us, you know, kind of just ed- makes us edgy. And uh, you know, we're thinking, you know, fear God. I mean, you know what? You, you maybe grew up with, you know, very authoritative parents, or you grew up in a, in a very controlling system, or you went to a church that was all about rules and regulations, and everybody had to fit in a certain way. And the way that they kept you in line or kept you in place was by simply saying that God's watching. And what that means is God's watching, and if you get out of line, he's going to what? He's going to zap you. He's going to make you know, bad things happen to you, whatever those bad things are, are, and no good things are going to happen to you. And they kept you in line, kept you controlled by this idea of fear of the Lord. Well, I want to give you the, the biblical view of fear of the Lord today, and just a short amount of time. I don't have a lot of time to do this. Just kind of give you a way to look at the fear of the Lord. It's three ideas, okay? First one is this. Fearing God is to be in awe of Him, is to be in awe of Him. So to fear him means that I look to God and I realize that God is greater than me. This is why I love getting here early and singing songs. When we sing songs together, the songs are designed to help us to you know, relate to God, to see God bigger than we are, to take our eyes off of our struggles, our problems, to see how awesome God is, that he's for us, that he's with us, he's there. I love our singing time for that purpose because it draws me to the place where I can, I can get caught up, just like you can get caught up all during the week, and I can kind of, you know, minimize, my, minimize God and maximize my problems, minimize God and maximize my problems, so that by the time I get to Sunday, you know, my problems are, whoo, and God is here, And what happens when we sing songs is we make God big, magnify him. That's what the word means. And we're able to then be in awe of him as we see him. Second thing is this. It means to be in submission to him. I have to be in submission to him. Okay, if he's great, he's mighty, he's awesome, he's God, then he can call the shots. And so what I have to do is I'd submit to him and his way. And the thing that keeps me from submitting to God in his way, we sang about it just a minute ago, is pride. Is pride keeps me, whatever pride you know, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with right now, it keeps me from being will, willing to say, okay, God is great, God is good, and then I'm going to submit myself to him, and I'm going to do what he says. It begins with submission to him. So I'm in awe, I'm in submission, and then number three, I'm in relationship with him. I'm in relationship with him. When I come to God and I see how big he is and I submit to him, the fear of the Lord means that I can walk together with him. You would think that because of what I just said that we would be like cowering before God, right? He's awesome. And I'm submitting to him. Doesn't submit mean cower? Does that mean to go down low and that I'm afraid all the time? No. No. What it means is, is that now God invites me to walk with him in grace, in grace. 
And grace is God's gift to me that's not determined on my efforts. God's gift to me that's not determined on my efforts, and his gift to me is relationship. And so he's offering the opportunity for me now when I'm fearing God, I'm, I, I, he's awesome. He can do all things. I'm submitted. He's gonna, when he says it, I'm going to do it. But you know what? I'm walking with him. It's just kind of a, you know, a picture of God that many of us struggle with accepting, and it's about accepting his grace. So here we go. Grace is, you know, when I worship God, I'm experiencing his grace. And that's what awe is. I'm experiencing his grace. When I submit to him, I do it because of his grace, because of what he's done for me. And I know and I trust him to, you know, when he says something, it's for my best. And grace is walking with God. Now, how's that possible? How's it possible to not live in a rules-oriented relationship? Well, it begins with this next verse in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, it says, In him, talking about Jesus, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So one, a couple things this verse is the same. One, one thing is that if I want to know what wisdom is, if I want to know what godly wisdom is, I have to look at Jesus Christ. I cannot know wisdom without looking at Jesus Christ. And if I look at Jesus Christ, I can look at his words and his deeds. And the way I know his words and his deeds, I have to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I see Jesus' words and his words of wisdom, and I see his deeds, and I see his deeds of wisdom, and I know him, and he becomes the picture of God to me of ultimate wisdom. I cannot know godly wisdom apart from knowing Jesus Christ. Secondly, what Jesus Christ makes available is that when Jesus Christ was born 2,000 years ago, and I've been working a lot on Christmas, so I'm really thinking a lot about the birth of Jesus Christ and what that's going to mean to us as we get to celebrate it as a church family and with our community. So Jesus was born, but the most important thing about Jesus was not his birth. The most important thing about Jesus was his death. And when he went to a cross to die for us, he made possible perfect relationship with God. He took away all, need, all, all thoughts of fear and that now I can be in relationship to God simply by my being willing to receive grace through Jesus Christ. And so as I walk forward in wisdom, it's all about grace, folks. It's not about performance. And I know that some of you are going to get all caught up in performance in this series and you're going to think, well, he's just told me all the things to do and I'm going to go do all these things this week. And if I do all these things, it's going to work out. You no, know, Proverbs are not words that say, I guarantee this will happen. They're principles that we live. And so it's about us experiencing grace. Okay, now, why did I call today Be Wise Now? Here's why I called it Be Wise Now. Because here's what happens to us. We go through life. We make a choice. It's a dumb choice. That dumb choice has consequences. And what happens is, I don't know about you, but every time, Here's what I'm going to do next time. You say that? You ever use that phrase? Here's what I'm going to do next time. And what I want to give you the thought today is that you don't have to say, here's what I'll do next time. You can say, here's what I'll do now. I'm going to live with wisdom now. Let's bow our heads and pray.
Well, Father, as we come to you now in, in prayer, even the fact that we bowed our heads and closed our eyes is an act of submission. It's an act of declaring that you're God and we're not. And this moment, Father, we want to hear from you. In this moment, we'd ask you just to um, affirm what we've heard today. That you would put a fire in our spirit, a fire in our heart. That we want to be wiser people. And some of us today, we've got a backpack full of regret. Even some of us who know you closely, we still have and live with regret over things we did, things we've done that we're really dumb. And there's such a huge cost today still. And God, I pray that you would help us to realize that as we step forward with you, as we trust you, you will guide us into wisdom. And as we're guided into wisdom, that we will be able to experience the beauty of those words that we read in Proverbs 3, that we would know joy, we'd know delight, that we would know honor, that we would know riches, that we would know good reputation, that we would know you and walk with you. And God, I know that uh, there are people in the room who, when I got to Jesus, they're like thinking, I didn't know Proverbs was about Jesus. And yet it is. All of Proverbs points to Jesus. And maybe you've never said yes to Jesus Christ and never really understood that it was through him you could have a relationship with God. I just want to give you a chance. You could just say this in your mind. Just say, Jesus, as much as I understand this today, I want to come to you and tell you I need you. I believe you were God, and you died on that cross to pay for my punishment. And I thank you today that I can be clean because of what you did for me. I want to receive your forgiveness. And Jesus, I want to submit to your way for living. Guide me through this series. Guide me through these Proverbs that I may understand better how to walk in grace. Father, I pray for all of us because we've all made you know, dumb choices and I just pray today that you would give us courage and you would give us, you know, just kind of a passion that we're going on a search and a journey together down a path. And you've said that in these words that we will be able to gain your wisdom. And I pray, God, just ask, I cry out for that for myself, that we would know that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.